Hello, hello. There it is. Okay, so I'm a little different sort of guy when I talk. I'm not the typical um, stand on one spot and all that sort of thing. It's just a, it's very interactive with me, right? Otherwise, things get kind of boring. Uh, I, this message will relate to a lot of how I was on your side, I'll call it, right? Where I was a spectator for years and years. So there will be some um, need for you guys to interact. I generally will ask for people to talk because you all have an opinion. And usually I pick the people that are the most quiet, the most shy, <laughs> the people not volunteering, right? Again, because everybody's opinions matter, right? You just may not value it, right? But the truth is those people who are answering, that's where they're really at, right? And you don't be super spiritual because that's one thing I fell into was that I thought I'd be super spiritual, right? Until I figured out, oh, wait, I don't do anything. Uh, then follow God and try to do what he says. So the first, uh, today we're talking about spiritual maturity, and we're going to watch a video first. If you guys ever seen the movie Here Comes the Boom? Yes? Okay, well, there's a clip for, uh, for about two and a half minutes. Now, what I want you to do when you watch this clip, right, I want you to see how this clip pertains to maybe how your church life is and your spiritual life with God. Okay? Yes, the movie's funny. Yes, Kevin James is funny, right? But view it in the sense of how do I relate to this personally and how does the church relate to this, right? And after the video's over, we'll talk a little bit about it, right? And there's a lot of similarities and a lot to be learned. Cool. So some things I hope you picked up out of that was what? When the class came walking in, right, right, disconnected, right, they were what? Not paying attention, talking amongst themselves, right, and there for what? Well, I had to come to biology class, right? I had no intention of learning, right? They were there because parents make me, if I don't go, there's truancy involved and bad things happen, right? That's why they're there. So the teacher, in this case, Kevin James, starts talking, right? And they're not paying attention. So what's he have to do to get their attention? Right. So he has to, what, climb on the desk? Which, does that work initially? No. What do you have to do next? Clap his hands, right? So in your life, does Jesus have to climb on the desk? And then when he's on the desk, what's he have to do? Hey, smack his hands, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, what's going on, right? And then once he does that, if you relate that to church, same sort of thing. Sometimes we come in because why? We have to, at least we feel like we have to, obligated. It's the right thing to do, right? More obedient act, right? And again, nothing wrong with fellowshipping. Don't hear me say can't do that, right? A lot of times church starts and we're still hanging out, talking, worship's going on, right? Sometimes you hear Tom and the worship team saying, come on, you got to press in, right? That's them clapping their hands, right? That's a, hey, come on, guys. It's time to pay attention and wake up, right? That's the, now, as I'm talking, believe me, I, I'm here, right? I'm with you. This is not, oh, Brian's better than thou. That's not at all how it works, right? This is just stuff I'm learning as I walk through my walk with God, trying new things, right? So what happens is, right, they go through that class, and he starts talking about what? When a cell stagnates, it dies, right? And when it dies, everybody else around you, them begins to die. 
So think of yourself, you just took this church setting, right? So if Michelle Preble, right, decides she wants to be the cell that stagnates and dies, right? It begins to affect Tom, Alex, Chris, right? And slowly begins to filter out, right? And what are we doing? We're all spectating because we've begun to die, right? And after the call to action, the worship team kicks in, goes to the next level, whatever kind of gets your motor running, right? All of a sudden, you experience what he did, right? He's like pushing off each other, right? Kind of getting chaotic, right? The cells are waking up, right? And eventually hit a rhythm, right? And it's this, harmo- this harmonious thing, right? Where everything's working together. And in the end, what happens? The entire system is healed, aka the entire church is unified at once, and we are doing crazy, amazing things, right? Now, that was done by both, if you guys look at your lives personally, and look through the church as well, right? It's how you can compare the two together. So I'm going to talk to you guys today as a coach or anything, right? I coach girls volleyball, okay? He talked about basketball. I'm going to kind of come from that angle, right? So as I talk about a lot of things, the best thing we have to do with athletes is get them to recognize who they are, what they can do, and what they must do to go forward and succeed to meet whatever goal they want. I use sports analogy because most of us are into sports. It's something we all can relate to. That's why I'm choosing that. So, first thing an athlete has to understand is the difference between action and intention. Okay? So, if you think about this message I'm preaching now, I could have the intention of preaching a message one day because God said I would preach thousands and thousands of messages. Right? But that doesn't mean I did this. Let me know when you're ready. Right? I intend to preach messages. Can you tell I'm doing it? Right? And this is what a lot of us kind of do, is our intentions, right? We, can f- we have our actions and intentions mixed. We think intention is action, and we think action is intention. Right? So we're confused. And so same with athletes, right? Athletes the same way. Oh, I, you know, I want to be the best volleyball player, the best, best, the best basketball player. Pick the sport. doesn't matter, right? No one gets better by doing what? Nothing. Right? You have to do something. And so that's where, again, we get confused on action versus intention. So action. If you just look at the, di- the dictionary, what it means, the fact or process of doing something typically to achieve an aim, right? I like this one. I made this up. The exchange of energy for a result, right? So, again, me sitting here, I am expending no energy other than what it takes to run my body, right? But I have to do something, which is stand up, take the chance. I may look stupid, might screw up, right? You guys may laugh at me. Who knows what's going to happen, right? May they, oh, he's the worst guy ever. That's fine, but guess what? My result is to do what God told me to do, and so I'm taking an action to do that, right? So intention is really a plan, the thing you aim for, right? See the difference? One is the plan, and two is the energy behind that plan to reach where you're going, right? Difference. Athletes, same way, right? What do they have to do? Okay, here's some examples. I intend to bench 300 pounds. So what do they do? They will three times a week lift. They'll increase the weight by 10 pounds a week until they get to their 300-pound goal. 
whatever it is, right? If I want to run a mile in six minutes, right, they have to run daily, try to decrease the time by 10 seconds a week. Again, they have some intention, which is to bench or to run, then they have some action behind it, right? So this is where you guys get involved. So if I want to get healthier, Ernie, what would be something to do to get healthier? Yep, change your diet. Uh, Shelby. What else? Pick another one. <laughs> Workout. Right. Again, eat less, exercise more. Nothing real super, you know, rocket science here. It's just some pretty simple things, right? There's an intention, and then there is the actual action. So last one, have a better relationship with Jesus, right? Deb, what can you do? Read your Bible. Jim, what can you do? Pray every day. Again, all, there's all, right, again, this is not these, again, read, pray the Bible. This is why I just put down. There's all kinds of stuff to it, right? So, again, you have to start somewhere and having some intention and then put action behind what you want to be. So, so far, we're good, right? So, we now have the, you athletes understand for you guys to achieve your goal, which is spiritual maturity, right, you have to intend to do it. Sitting around, again, 20 years sitting around. Got saved when I was 16. It wasn't until 36 where I kind of had the aha moment. Right? And by aha moment, that meant I went through Sozo Inner Healing. That's what seemed to wake me up. Right? Doesn't always have to be that way for everybody. I'm the same for me. So from 16 to 36, I was the master of intention. Master. Just saying. Right? I mean, again, if we're all real, master of, the in- of intention. Right? So... The next thing the athlete has to understand is the difference between believing in themselves and knowing, right? And this pertains to Jesus as well. Do you believe the things of Jesus or do you know, right? Again, we get these two words mixed up. So I'm going to take you through an exercise. There might be four or five people in here that get this, right? The youth boys, you can't open your mouth. I let you guys on the secret last Sunday, right? So the youth boys are out of it for those of you who are there. But everybody else, this is... I'm going to take you through the difference between believing and knowing. 63486. Tori, what do you think that number is? Rob, what do you think that number is? No clue? Anybody have a guess? Okay, so zip code, that's actually the zip code for Brockholm, Germany. It is a zip code, or Bruckstock, something like that. Not the right answer. Okay? So again, so at this point in time, you guys don't know what this is, right? No clue. There's some people that may know, right? But what it really is, today's date. October 26, 2014. Okay, so at this point in time, you now have to believe me. Right? So you're, yeah, so you're choosing right now. To either A, believe it's 10-26-2014, or this guy's crazy, I have no idea, waste of my time today. That's what you're doing, right? That's what I did for years. I know exactly what's going on, right? So, again, you have to take my word for it. Now, it just so happens, with the language I program at work, this isn't a programming sort of class, but everything we do is based upon the date 12-31-1840, Okay? There are 63,486 days since that date, which is today. Okay? 
1231-1840 is the date that our language is based off of. There's been 63,486 days since that day. That's how we do everything in our language at work. Okay? Every language is different. This is So, again, you're still in the believing stage. You still don't know. Right? You begin to understand, but you don't know. Right? So I can, I can add to your understanding by saying, okay, by the way, ZD is the function we use. Don't worry about it. But zero. Zero days. 1231-1840. Right? You punch it into our software. That's what comes out. So what do you think ZD of, dollar of one is? What date do you think that is? Correct, right? So if today is fourth is six three four eight six, what do you think tomorrow is? And the next day, Tuesday. Okay, so you guys just move through believing to understanding to now knowing, right? So if you really really want to check all your homework, my work, right, whatever, you go home, get the calendar out. Count days, don't forget leap years, all that good stuff in there, right? And you guys can then spend time with it and really, really get to know this algorithm, right? Makes sense. So we went from believing, right? When I said that, to now you know it's that. Everybody tracking with me so far? Pretty simple, right? Okay, great. So, believe. The definition of believe, again, Athletes have to do the same thing. Do you believe in yourself? And do you know what you can do? Believe, accept something that's true, feel sure of the truth of, hold something as an opinion, right? Think or suppose. Everything that's kind of come natural to us, right? If someone tells you something about, in this case, the, the cache function, right, with the date, 63486, you believe that is true because why? I showed you some things that kind of show logically it makes sense, right? And you can accept that as fact. You can go home and study yourself to figure out for sure, right? No. Here's the interesting thing about no. Again, didn't know this at the time when God started telling me different stuff. Again, I'm a big word guy because words mean something to me, right? Be aware through observation, inquiry. The second one's the best one. Have developed a relationship with someone through meeting and spending time with them. Be familiar, funny with. That's Webster's dictionary definition. That's not some concordance. That's not Bibleese, whatever sort of thing you want to call it, right? That's right out of the world dictionary, right? So if you think about that function we just talked about, if you spend time with it, you get to know how that works, right? Which is the same exact thing as in your relationship with Jesus, Right? Unless you know him and spend time with him, you only believe in him. So did you hear what I said? Many of us, me included, for 20 years, I only believed. Now, I had a lot of head information. Jesus sent his only son, all kinds of stuff, right? We all know all this stuff. I've been in church for years, most of our lives. So we can repeat lots of things, but we don't know any of it, right? It's like taking a test in high school. What do you do? You cram for the test, 
and you basically regurgitate it, take the test, and move on. Yeah, exactly, right? Oh, got an A, check, move on to chapter two, right? The only problem is, is when chapter two builds on chapter one, right? Then you're kind of like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Well, ironically, it's the same sort of thing with Jesus, right? Same thing pertains. So I'm trying to mess your thinking here on purpose, right? Because I, was, I had that thinking for 20 years, right? And some of you have the same thinking, right? Just want to tweak it a little bit, right? To where you begin to actually understand, wow, I may be wrong. And that's something that's kind of hard to say to yourself, right? But that's the one thing I'm learning a lot, right, as I study more and more, right? I find I'm really wrong a lot, right? Now the verse that says I can do all things with Jesus Christ, right? Well, now the opposite, I really understand. I can't do anything because it's all what I think I know and what, how I understand stuff, right? And then I come to find out it's all wrong, right? Of course, I've been doing it the hard way. I think many of us do it the hard way, not because we want to. It just works out that way, right? But that's what we end up doing. So we'll do a little, another thing real here quick. Who's this? What about him? First president. Right. Okay, so in this example, we know that's George Washington. Why? We know because we were raised as George Washington. There's books that say whatever. There's a bunch of statistical information, right? So our no in this case is based upon knowledge of other people. But what we don't know is George Washington, right? Here's another one. Right, so you guys can rattle off all kinds of stuff about Peyton Manning, right? All kinds of things. Again, no one here knows Peyton Manning. You can say how great a quarterback he is, stats, da-da-da-da, so on and so on and so forth, right? And the last one, which may be a little stretch for some people, any idea who that is? There we go, Qaddafi, right? So again, we, we can repeat a lot of these things about these people, but have, we do not know them, Right? Who's this guy? So, what do you know about him? What'd you say, Chuck? He's, yeah. Characteristics? You guys know any characteristics about Jesus? Died on the cross. Son of God. What about characteristics? Loving. Kind. Exactly. Now, I'm not sure if I heard all those words. There's all kinds of them that describe him, right? So lucky for you, I have a list of about 160 things, right? On the uh, podcast, I put a PDF out there that John Julson will make available to everybody. So I'm not going to go through all these, but some of the characteristics are, I know this is kind of small, the intent is not to go through all these. There's tons, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, forgiving, humility, on and on and on and on and on and on and on, right? Then you get to the names, Yahweh, you know, El Shaddai, Shalom, right? All kinds of stuff, however you know him, right? So, do you know him like that? Or do you know maybe three or four of the characteristics of Jesus and not the other 110, Right? 
So again, I knew lots of stuff, but I thought, turned out I just believe it, because in the word of God, word is true. But it's only information, right? It's only in my head. It hasn't moved from my head into my heart, right? So for example, Gary Tower knows Jesus Christ as healer, right? I do not know Jesus Christ as healer. I've seen him work miracles in Gary Tower, in Joel Haler, right? And so I see he has that power, right? <clears throat> but for those of you who have been healed, know him as healer. Everybody else is through observation. <clears throat> so you believe he heals, right? Once you've been touched, healed, now you know him as healer, right? It's a difference. Subtle difference, right? But that subtle difference is where we get hung up all the time, right? Okay, so we're all smart people, right? Very smart. Doesn't matter your education. God made you. You're in his image, so you're smart, yeah, that's right. right? Doesn't matter what people say, what your grades say, right? You're smart. So this is why we get hung up on these two things this way, right? One of the things I really enjoyed about God is I've been studying and especially the inner healing stuff I went through. Uh, I've been, I really enjoy what most generals in the army enjoy, right? Generals, they know a lot about their enemy, right? Why? Because you have to understand the capability of the enemy, right? So you know how to defeat them, right? Yeah, so that's one of the things I'm kind of enjoying, right? And so I struggled with the same sort of thing, lots of stuff over and over, like many of you struggle with, right? And what I'm finding out is huh, it's important for me to know the strategy. So I'm like, how in the world could I think that I know Jesus as a certain characteristic and not know him? Why was my believe and know messed up, right? And God says, well, you know it's a strategy. I'm like, but, I mean, if Satan walked in here today through that door and stood right here and told me to hurt Eric, I would go, no, you're Satan, go away, right? Well, does Satan appear to all you guys or me? And say, hey, your no is believe and your believe is no? No. No. That's not what he did. Right? Again, he's not going to waltz to the door and announce himself, I am Satan. Do this. But that's what we think about him. Right? He uses all our skills, our God-given gifts against us. Right? And as a master schemer, there's all kinds of verses in the Bible, all the stuff he does, right? And that's how we get our belief and know screwed up. It's through that. Right? So you have to be intentional. Yeah. Why is it important to be intentional? So you know that when, even though Satan unwalks that door, somebody else comes walking up to you and says something. Hmm. I've been intentional with my relationship with Jesus. And through him, I know that's not right. Now, he, they might be telling me to hurt Eric, but maybe he's saying some other stuff, again, that won't even today mean hurt Eric, but the result of my actions over time would be hurting Eric. Because he knows he walked in here today and told me to shoot somebody. I would not do that. But give enough time, falling away from God, being lied to, believing the lies, getting ensnared, right? Moving further and further away, from a relationship with God, stop spending time with him, that eventually, guess what I'll start to believe? 
that I could do the thing he's asking me to do. Right? His en- the enemy, the spirits, or whatever you want to call it. Whoops. Sorry. Right? And that's how it starts. Right? So that's his strategy. That's all it is. It's that real subtle thing that gets you moving that way. So, this is where I'm a little different also. So at this point in time, I'd like for those of you who don't use iPhones and iPads, for notes, to please put them away. Right? Do not be distracted. Right? Be intentional. Right? That you are hearing something from God, not me. Right? Again, this is important. Do not get up and walk out. Do not let yourself be distracted. Choose to take your life back and have some control, right? So that you can hear from the Son of God, right? And if I cry, by the way, that's when God descends on me, so don't freak out. This is happening. <clears throat> um, but again, you have a choice, right? So have a little honor and reverence, respect for Jesus, the Father and Holy Spirit, right? Who are already in this room that are talking, right? Because, again, as the athletes, right, you have to know what you can do. At this point in time, we don't fully know our capabilities, right? I think of Smith Wigglesworth, right, who can walk by people and his shadow heals them, right? Now, that is, I can't fathom that, right? But when Jesus says there's far things above that, what is that? If healing, the, if raising the dead isn't it, what is it? How far can you go? Right? Did I hit something, Jeff? Yeah, it's on. There it is. Okay? So, again, difference between knowing Jesus. So, we're going to go to Job. Job's a great example, right? And it's important I lay all this foundation before we get to actual spiritual maturity. Why? Because unless you know yourself and what you're capable of, not capable of, when I talk about spiritual maturity here shortly, you're not going to care. Because why? You're like, another time at church, right? It's a waste of my time, right? That's what it turns into. So Job, who knows the story of Job? Most people know the story of Job? Okay, so what? In the first two chapters of Job, what happens to Job? Devastated, right. So Satan comes to Jesus after roaming the earth. Jesus sees him, hey, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm roaming the earth. And Job's like, hey, have you thought about my buddy Job? Jesus to Satan. Hey, you thought about my buddy Job? Right? Blameless. Right? Upright. Integrity. So Satan goes out, messes with his life, right? Makes things a little miserable for him. A couple days later, again, don't know, right? Satan's roaming around again. Jesus sees him and says, what are you doing? Roaming the earth. Jesus like, hey, what about Job? Do whatever you want. Just don't touch his life. So what? That's when he kills his family, right? All this sort of stuff. So Job is taken to nothing, right? Okay. So at this point in time, Job, who's about 70, 70-ish, right? We know he lived 140, 70-ish, right? He thinks he knows Jesus. Right? 
Everybody talks about him being Job, right? A scholar, raising younger people up, kind of discipling or all sort of stuff. Job, at this point in time, thinks he really knows Jesus, right? So Job gets, you know, his life messed with Satan, right? And then what happens? There's three buddies, right? Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. They start to help slash counsel, whatever word you want to use here, right? But this is where they think they're helping him out. Oh, you're, you know, you're doing this wrong, this, and you know, all kinds of stuff. You can't be, repent for this. Whatever you want to call it, they think they're helping. And Job, when I first read it a year ago, I thought he was really prideful. I thought Job was arrogant. I thought Job had the problem. Because he's like, no, my God, I'm justified. Why is he doing this, you know? On and on and on and on, right? But Job is the one who's right, to a degree, and his buddies are wrong, right? And so this goes on. If you know, for chapter 3 or 31, for 28 chapters, it's Job and these guys. I don't call it arguing. There's a dialogue back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, right? And then who steps in the scene? Elihu. I'm envisioning this guy to be some 25, 30-year-old guy. Don't know the exact age, right? But we know he's young in years. If Job is 70, young in years, young in years is someplace underneath 70, I choose to believe it's 35-ish, right? Whatever, you know, it could be 60, take your pick, doesn't matter, right? But what's he say? Hey, though I'm young in years, listen to me. I know Jesus. I have something to tell you. There is something you can learn, right? So here you have a 30-year-old, 35-year-old guy telling a 70-year-old guy what's going on, Right? So this is important to think about spiritual maturity. Just because you may be 60, 70 years old, 6 or 7 years old, guess what? By age, doesn't mean anything. You could be 70 years old and be an infant. So here, God, God is showing, Jesus is showing, through Elihu, a, young, a man much younger, I can speak through him. I can use him. Let me show you who I am. So you know who I am, right? So Jesus enters and basically says, where were you and who were you? Right? Again, I encourage you guys to read Job 38 to 42, where Jesus goes through and just says, where were you? Who are you? When I set the boundary of the sea, I said, no farther. Right? All this. What makes the ox move? You think your yoke makes him move? You know, the donkey in the field. Right? Your pets make it really personal. What makes your pet behave? What makes your pet come to you? What makes your pet have loyalty to you? Guess who it's not? It's not us. It's him, right? If he can make the trees and the rocks clap their hands and cry out, do you think he needs us? Not really. Because he can do all things, right? So, in Job 42, this is when the Lord speaks. I know, this is Job replying to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked me, Jesus, to Job, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? He's referring to Job's three buddies who thought they were counseling and providing help. And what were they doing? They were spouting back to Job all the things they read in the Bible, right? 
oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. This, the Bible says this, da, 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 right? But all they had was information. They didn't know it, right? So it puts it in perspective, right? When Jesus says, your three buddies were wrong. Job, you were almost right. It kind of flips everything, right? And it says, you asked who is obscure. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer. Job says, my ears have heard you. Like right now, you're hearing me. Yes? Not listening to me. You're hearing me. Right? There's something going on out there. Can't, I don't know what it is. Something's going on. You guys are hearing me. Right? You're hearing the Holy Spirit talk. Right? It's getting through all that thick-headed junk, right? It's getting into your heart, and you're like, man, what's this? This is kind of weird, right? This is, I never thought of it this way, right? So he's getting through your thick-headedness. But now my eyes have seen you, a.k.a. now I know you, right? Therefore I despise myself, repent in dust and ashes. So Job goes through this, which turns out to be just a test and a trial, Right? Kind of, God finds a character, knows about a character flaw in Job, trying to help Job out. Again, Job 70, should be wise and all these sort of things. And Jesus says, "Eh, not so fast. I can still teach an old dog new tricks. Right? And that's what he does. And along the way, he gives us very good examples of three guys who think they're doing the right thing. Right? Much like me. Right? I know I'm doing the right thing. Because didn't ask me up here. Right? These aren't my words, right? This stuff just got downloaded to me. I didn't write it down for years and years and years, right? So I know this is the right word at the time. Now you get me out of this one today and it's something else, it may not be the right one, maybe Brian Hughes. But for this time, right now, Amen. this is the right time, right? So in Matthew, this is where it kind of messes up even your head a little more, believe versus no. Matthew 7, 20 and 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does this will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You who rely on your own thoughts. You rely on your own strength. You who are able to regurgitate the words in my book and do nothing with them. You are this clanging gong. You might as well talk to that wall. Right? I might as well talk to that wall. Been talking to the wall a long time. Right? It's the same thing. Same thing, right? So Jesus. Do you know him? Or do you believe in him? Very important. Got to be intentional. Got to search your heart, which is the action. Got to listen to that small little voice in your head that thought was you. Saying, you might be wrong. At this particular point in time, Brian might be right. Could be a chance. Right? You have a choice. Everything's a choice. 
Do you hear him talking to you? Everybody's area will be different. It's not all going to be in the same place. The small places, the dark places, the places you're afraid to go. That's where you need to be. It's not until you get there and get vulnerable that everybody can move. And you figure yourself out of the way. And he takes over, right? And then if you use me as an example, the crazy stuff happens. I can't explain it. I bugged Eric for years. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And he couldn't do it, and I was so mad at him. So mad at him. I was frustrated. Tom, I'd ask him, and he couldn't tell me. So mad at Tom, right? And many of you relate to that same thing, right? You go to people for help, and what do they do? They really just comfort you, right? Because it's, it's, it's you. It's your choice. They can, like, comfort you and kind of guide you. If you choose not to get help, not to help yourself, you're just like me. What steps do I go through? Step one. Step two. And frustration, frustration, frustration. So I hope I jogged your, your mind here, right, about how this all works. Because now we're going to move into spiritual maturity. So there's levels of spiritual maturity. Dead, people who are unsaved, right? Many of you may be in this room, maybe not. Infancy, child, young adult, and parent. So, again, what you can't do right here, I'm going to stop here and go, well, let's see, I am... I'm 38. Well, I'm not an infant. I'm not a child. I like to believe I'm a young adult. Right? I am a parent. So one of those two categories fits me. No, it doesn't work that way. It has nothing to do with, like I said before, your age doesn't matter. Right? The youth teach me stuff every time we have youth meetings. Right? So again, age has nothing to do with it. Right? So if you're dead in this room today, not born again. Here's the things you say. Here are the things Brian Hughes said. So a lot of these things are the things I said, right? I don't believe in God. The Bible is a bunch of myths. There are many ways to get to God. I'm a good person. I'll be okay. And I have plenty of time, right? I owned that shirt for years, 16, right? When <clears throat> my wife said, you need to go up and get saved. And God was moving my heart to do it, so I did right? But spiritually dead, right? You're thinking this right now. Right now. What a bunch of crap. Be real, right? What a hypocrite. This is a waste of my time. Who does this guy think he is? He's not Tom and Eric. How in the world can he be talking this way? And why does, put the name in here, make me come to church? This is if you're spiritually dead, this is what you're thinking. Right? Those of you who are avoiding looking at me, right? Sometimes as a coach, that's a hard thing, right, with your athletes. You've got to have hard conversations. Right? This is not to condemn you guys. I've been through the same thing, still going through it, not perfect. Right? But Jesus, luckily, in this case, is my coach, who's like, hey, listen, you're not paying attention to me. Right? Sometimes coaches have to have hard conversations with their players to get the potential that's in them. 
if a coach lets you sit around on the bench, he is not going to get the potential out of you that he can, right? So for those of you who are spiritually dead, right now your life is comprised of seeking and indulging what everyone else is doing. Whatever feels good to you at the moment, right? You don't have any peace. You're not satisfied. You're just not comforted. Something's missing. You don't know what it is. You just, you don't know what it is. Best way I can describe it, right? Infancy. You don't have a clue. You're saved now. This is everything that's saved. You've been born again. Yes, Jesus in your heart, right? You don't have a clue what to do with your relationship with Jesus and what to expect, right? You get saved. You feel God move on your heart. A weight's been lifted. I mean, we all feel that relief. Some things start happening. Your spirit man wakes up. Everybody's experience is different, right? Jesus is a better, easier life. As an infant, when you first get saved, you're like, oh, this is easier. You know, I have some sense of hope, right? You feel better about yourself. Hey, there is, again, I can't explain it. There's something inside. It feels a little different, right? But you feel better. Something's different, and you're ready to take on the world. I can do anything, right? Now, the problem is, in this infant stage, there's like two parts to it, right? There were the, the part where I was for 20 years-ish, where I did all these things, felt this way, and did nothing. My intention abounded, and I had no action, right? And this is what I got, nothing. I was a pew potato, right? There's the other ones, right, who get saved as an infant, right? And you're doing stuff, and you kind of take off, right? Again, each stage, you're not in there for one day, six months, one year. It all varies from what's going on with your life and how you're doing with Jesus. So there's no formula. I was stuck here for about 20 years, right? So it's not so a good thing to be stuck 20 years. But if you're stuck in a stage, it's okay to be there for time. We just got to figure out how to get you out of there moving forward, which will be another time, okay? Infants say things like this. Why do I need to go to church regularly? I didn't, know what the, I didn't know the Bible said that. If I pray and read the Bible, will I be good enough? How does the pastor know all this stuff? Right? How does Jesus talk to me? Right? You have lots of questions. You don't know. Think about it when you have your own kids, when they're babies. They are totally reliant upon you, a.k.a. not themselves. Right? So it's the same thing spiritual maturity. Right? You are reliant upon everybody else to help you because you read words. You just don't know what to do with them. You don't know how to get them from your heart to your head. You don't even understand how to, that you should get them from your heart to your head. Right? It just happens. And that's part of normal life. Right? You're thinking right now, you have to be a super Christian disciple. Discipleship seems hard. And for those who've been stuck in the infant stage for a long time, you're going, am I still born again? And why should I care about this? because you don't know how to apply it yet. You're just like, this is a bunch of information, maybe good, maybe bad, but what do I do with this? I don't know, right? And your life is comprised of few encounters with Jesus, right? And I'll kind of characterize it this way. When we have the treasure hunts once a month. Once a month, you may say, hey, I need a girl in a blue sweater, and you come up and get prayed for. That may be your encounter, for the month, right? Those are my encounters for months. 
right? That's because, again, that's how it was. I didn't choose to spend time with him, to know him, right? That's how I got my counter. Any storm that comes your way is a crisis, and you take shelter in who? People. Oh, I have this problem, Eric. Oh, I have this problem, Brian. Alger, pick a person. doesn't matter who. Your friend. The first notion is not Jesus. My friend, my mom, my dad, whoever, all good people. I'm not saying don't talk to your friends and family, right? But our first thought should not be, Gage can fix my problem. Maybe he can. But the right solution may be going to God first. And he says, not Gage this time. Vicky. Because maybe Vicky just read something, she got revelation about something, and now she can really speak into my life, right? Child, you have little knowledge of Jesus, which means nothing's in your heart, really. You just know a lot of information, right? You've read a lot about him, kind of like the whole belief versus no. You read a lot about him, right? Don't experience in that way. And the beliefs of Jesus haven't turned, gotten there twice still, forgot to take it out again, sorry, hasn't turned the knowledge into your heart. So the whole belief versus no. In the beginning, do you know Jesus? Do you believe in Jesus? Right? It hasn't gotten to your heart. You don't know him as all his aspects. And if you know Jesus in 10 or 12 aspects, the Lord told me that's dangerous as well. Why? Because you can rely on him in those 12 same ways all the time. And there's many more aspects to him. Right? Which is through spending time with him in a relationship, you begin to see the other stuff. Right? You don't have to necessarily wait for a healing event for your life right, to happen where you can know him as healer. If you're spending time with him, just because through his word and spend time with him, right, like the word says, his word is spiritually discerned, right? You can spiritually discern him as healer. I can't explain it to you. Don't know what that means other than you just know it. Right? That's the whole faith part of this, right? Your life is chaotic as a child. You can't get ahead of anything. You rely on others versus taking initiatives to help yourself. Now, again, I use the word initiatives here on purpose. I haven't got to action yet. Eric, what do I do next? Brian, what do I do next? We haven't talked about any action yet, right? It's just people, people giving in, uh, their opinions what they think should happen, Right? You stumble on the same stuff over and over, right? So it's whatever. It doesn't be daily. could be daily, weekly, monthly. You pick it. It's that stuff, right, that we all have where whatever it is, you pick it. And at some point in time, you hit it. You may get prayer. You may get free from it as it may feel free, right? And then some point down the road, it hits you again right between the eyes. And you're like, oh, here it is again. Not good enough, right? Am I saved? You start questioning all these things. All the things are the enemy. Again, he's not walking up to me and saying these things to me. Those are the thoughts in your head. That's how it starts, right? That's why you stumble, because you doubt who you are in Jesus, and you doubt the power you can have in Jesus. You doubt that he can do anything with you, right? That's why. And life finally is about you. Those of you who have children, right? What do the kids want? Everything they can have, 
nothing for you. Hey, I know, Mom, Dad, you haven't slept for 27 days, but can you do this, 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 so on and so forth, right? On, 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 on. Right? We've all been there, all done that. You're just like, stop the madness. Right? You're crazy. Well, spiritually, guess what? When we're children, what do we do? Right? Yeah. Church isn't to come and actually have an encounter with Jesus. It's to get myself fixed. Oh, I sure hope the altar minister team's up here today. And I hope Alger is, because Alger's not up here. I just can't get any help. <laughs> hey, if I'm real, I was the same way. If someone wasn't on the prayer team at church growing up, guess where I didn't go? I didn't get prayer, because I didn't believe anybody else could help me. Why do I think, in this case, Alger could help me? Probably because he was the one person I had a halfway decent relationship with. So on the prayer team at home, one of my friends, Jason King, was his name. That's the guy I always went to. Why? I worked with the guy. Had a little bit of relationship with him. Right? So again, we avoid. Not on purpose. Just what we do. Children say things like this. Don't branch my group into, small, into two groups. I'm comfortable this way. This is a lot on connect groups. I love my small group. Don't add more people to it. My small group church isn't taking care of me like it should. I'm going to go somewhere else. Right? Because they're not telling me what to do. Step one, do this. Step two, do this. Right? You can today decide based on what I'm saying, going, well, these people just think they know it all, and they're not going to help me. They expect to do it myself. No, we're trying to lay a foundation Give revelation through the Holy Spirit, right? And Jesus Christ, that you can do all things. And you don't need the pastors, right? Because you can do it yourself, have a relationship, right? Have each other, connect groups, right? This is what this is for, right? I didn't like the music, if only Tom was louder. Oh, wait, sorry, it's the other way around. I didn't like the music, Tom was too loud, right? Uh, Eric looked right at me today, he didn't even say hello. Right? I had those thoughts. Right? I mean, again, let's be real with ourselves here. Right? And why won't put the person's name in here? Won't they help me? Right? At some point in time, who has the problem? Right? It's not the people we usually go to that have the problem. We have the problem. We just want somebody else to take care of it for us, right? Here's what you're thinking right now. I can see how this applies, but I don't know what to do with it. Oh, I don't have time for this. Why is Brian sharing? What about me? <laughs> I had the same thoughts when I was sitting in the back. Other people would talk that aren't Eric and Tom. I'd be like, well, I was just with that person the other day, and I know what he or she's doing. Why are they sharing? If they can share, I can share, which is true. Anybody can share, but wrong motive, not ready, wrong character, right? All that sort of stuff, right? This doesn't pertain to me. And finally, the last one, I can't. Really? I've been doing that for years and years. I can't, I can't, I can't, right? I word cursed myself for years. I can't, I can't. Impossible, I can't, right? Until I got revelation, guess what? Word curses. Cursing myself, nonstop, every day, all day. I'm stupid. I'm dumb. I'm not pretty. 
pick the word, all the things we say to ourselves every day, right? Every day, and you curse yourself every day. And so you kind of lock yourself into guess where? Being a child. Right? And because you can't, in your mind, that means somebody else has to. Or in the case of the video, when you stagnate, you're going to die. And you need somebody else to keep you alive. Right? 911 Jesus. Again, that's how Jesus was for me. I, just, that's, I get it. That's how it was, right? <clears throat> Here's what you're kind of starting to do. You're starting to memorize some scriptures, right? And you begin to believe what they say. Yes, God is powerful. He is peace. He is joy. You don't know him yet, right? But you're getting a lot more information. You've been able to get some victory in your life, but maintain it is still difficult. So you're realizing that, hey, I can do these things. God says I can do these things. So you're starting to do things more on your own, right? You're having, again, I am not saying cut off your friends and family and pastors. Don't hear me say that. That's not what I'm saying, right? But you're now able, right, you're just starting to kind of get the revelation that, hey, I can kind of do some stuff. I don't need to be taken care of all the time, right? Think of your teenagers. At some point in time, I'm going to make it up an age, eight-ish, whatever. They start moving on. You don't have to take care of them so much, right? They can kind of do stuff on their own, give them a little more responsibility, right? That sort of stuff, right? You begin to turn them loose a little bit. Of course, they take that as something else, treat you worse, but, you know, that's how it usually works. So same thing in spiritual maturity. You begin to walk away a little bit, kind of do your own thing, right? But what holds us here? Um, I don't need to be in a connect group. I don't need other people. I have Facebook. I love my iPhone. I can talk to a million people with my iPhone. Why do I need to go to Connect Group? Right? Because guess who you can't call when you're having a problem? If you need help. You can ask Siri. <laughs> right? And what's she going to say? Something like, I don't know about that right? Try it. See what happens. Oh, and this is the best thing about being a child. Church is a pep rally. You come here to feel better, like I said before. Yay, all right, I feel good. Let's go do this. Woohoo! I got free today. You walk out those sanctuary doors. You don't make it out of the foyer yet, right? I did the same thing. And all of a sudden, it's over. You're right back to where you were. You come here to get pumped up before the big game. Right? And most of the words in the Bible are just words. That's all they are. Just words, words on the paper, right? Don't mean a thing, but because I'm being obedient and I'm supposed to read, I'm reading. Right? I'm supposed to tithe, so I'm tithing. Don't feel like I don't know, but you're trying to be obedient to those sort of things. Right? Young adult. So, you're having more experiences than you did with Jesus when you were a child. And you're starting to experience more of the characteristics, right? So again, 100 and some characteristics. As a child, you may know them as three or four. Now you may know them as five or six. You're starting to know them more, right? And you begin to change your beliefs and the knowledge in your heart, right? So this is kind of where I'm at. I'm beginning to change some of the stuff I knew, thought I knew, my beliefs. I'm starting to change a lot of that from my head into my heart, 
And so when that happens, cool things happen. Again, not so me talking up here, but cool things happen. Last night, for example, never tried this. Watched everybody, all oh, you guys do this sort of stuff, right? Woke up middle of the night, three o'clock, had a headache, really bad headache. I was like, oh, this enemy just trying to mess with me before I talk, right? He's trying to make me doubt what's going on, right? And I was just like, this isn't right. Stop. Gone, right? Never tried that before. Just saying. And it worked. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, right? Starting actually some of the things I believe, actually trying to apply and do some stuff with. Some of you already been there. Great. It's awesome, right? But again, we're all in different places, learning different things. And sometimes you have to try. I could have woke up this morning and had a headache. Right? I could have. Could have been distracted. Could have. Right? But the cool thing is, like most times I can even talk with the youth, when I start talking, God starts doing whatever he does, and I don't have to worry about it. So it wouldn't matter anyway. Right? Because I know that he is going to use me no matter what. <clears throat> right. So life, life isn't chaotic. Oh, it's a test. Like Job. Job didn't realize God was testing him. He thought God was being mean, we'll call it, right? As a young adult, you go, wait, I'm in a trial. What is God trying to show me? He's trying to make characteristic A stronger. He's trying to do this. He's trying to do that, right? You begin to see some things differently, right? And you're able to help yourself. Again, another step. You're just more able to do more things, right? I'm not saying be an isolationist, but you know, hey, the word is the word. I need to start here. Oh, Lord, help me, whatever it is. And by the way, that works a lot. God, what do I do? Simple words. That's what I do. And what happens? He says something, right? And now, I was telling Eric this other day we were meeting, right? My big thing going through Sozo with Michelle and Tisha was, oh, God doesn't talk to me. That was my thing. Right? That's what I always said. He didn't talk to me. Right? Well, he's a chatty Kathy. <laughs> the man never stops talking. Right? Which is a totally different concept for me. That, wow, he wants to talk to me that much. Yep. And every time, no matter where I'm at, middle of work and I'm in a conference call with a customer, and all of a sudden he's, <laughs> and it's like, hold on a second. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> right? But again, right, that's how as a young adult you start to move some things from your head uh, into your heart. You want to help, but you're not sure what your ministry is. See that word ministry? That, that would be action, right? As a young adult, your focus is not yourself. How can I help somebody else? What can I do to help others? Pick a ministry here you want to help out with. Children's ministry. Karen's all smiley, right? <laughs> There's all uh, guppies, fire, you name it, right? All that stuff. There's all kinds of things, right? But you want to help others. You're compelled to help others. Not because you just have to choose to. Some days you do have to choose. <sighs> that's right. I'm on the schedule today for this. Because why you don't feel like doing it, and that's okay. Right? But what happens to you is all of a sudden you feel compelled to want to help. And you can't explain why. And all of a sudden one day you wake up and go, why do I want to help in the bounce house? That's God moving things from your head into your heart. 
transforming you from the inside out. Young adult, you recognize the impact of Jesus has made in your life, and everybody should experience it. You want to share it. You're willing to do more that doesn't benefit you. You'll give more away than you receive. You're trying to get a clearer picture of your calling in life and what Jesus has for you to be more effective. At this point in time, you, rec- you have a compelling to do stuff with Jesus and that he's going to use you in cool ways, stuff above that we can even think. And you want to be like, okay, what do I need to do? What should you, what am I, what's my calling? Where do I need to go? What should I focus in on? Because you recognize when you're in the zone, right, things work a lot better. Because God is merciful, he allows us, he's permissive, like Mike says, right, to do other things that aren't in our calling and in his will. For example, this is the very place Sarah and I have been talking about, right? So for those of you who don't know, we have some chickens at our house, have laying eggs, right? Then we raised some chickens for meat birds. Uh, the caches and I bought uh, three calves for meat, right? I'm involved with the, I'm one of the youth leaders at here at church, right? And so I've been asking God, are those all four the right things? Are none of them the right things? Because I recognize that, yes, God is blessing all those things, right? I never asked him. And because he loves me and he blesses me and has grace, those things still succeed, right? And because we succeed, we're like, oh, this must be the right thing. Right? And then we get stuck in the stage for years because, oh, well, it's working. But then all of a sudden we get, to the end of the, we get in the stage for a long, long time and go, well, this isn't so much fun anymore. And we could be doing all the wrong things, not on purpose, not saying anyone of you are going out on purpose and trying to uh, do this, right? But that's how it ends up working. You experience victory frequent in your life which means a lot of things don't sidetrack you a lot, right? Something comes your way, you, I'll say you deal with it and move on. You'll still get stuck here once in a while. And you're making slash trying have disciples. Again, when you recognize somebody else should know about this, right? You want to share, and you're trying to help other people, the Camp Grizzly kids, you name it, whoever, right? You're trying to help, trying to do other things. Same thing as being a disciple, Right? You're sharing God with other people. Here's what you're saying right now. I love my group, but there are other needs, others that need to attend. Right? Look at how many people are at church today. I had to walk two blocks in the nearest parking lot. In my devotions, I came across something I have a question about. Right? Which is where now you're a deeper level relationship with God. He reveals something else through his word. And now you need to go to somebody else that is higher than you spiritually. So in my case, I go to Eric. We meet on Thursdays. So I get new revelation and go, so here's what I'm reading. Here's what I kind of get. What do you think? He doesn't go, blah, 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 blah. He says, how about this? And then what? I go back to the word, think about it, ponder on it, read about it, and get a revelation, right? I think I could lead a small group with some help. Again, I, you, could do something. I could take action. I can get involved. I could do something besides just eat off the table. I could go plant the garden. I could go work the garden. 
I can pull weeds. I can harvest the stuff. I can do something besides sit. Right? And again, I say this to myself. This is not Brian holier than thou, like I said. I'm just saying, that's the sort of revelation that you get. And um, I didn't see so-and-so. I wonder how they're doing. Call, text, Facebook, whatever it is. Right? But you're checking on them because you care about others. Right? Things you're thinking right now. Hey, I'm on the right track. That's a positive thing, right? This isn't all Debbie Downer, right? Jesus told me that some of this stuff in my devotion time. So you may have heard some of the very things I'm saying in your devotion time, right? Sharing with Eric, last Sunday in church. Again, new experience for me. I was in the back worshiping. Not a big worshiper person yet. Don't quite grasp worship, right? But Eric's trying to help me with some stuff, right? And ironically, I was talking about holy, 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 and then what they end up singing up here? Holy, holy, holy. I was praying, saying something else, worshiping back there. What they start doing? That same thing. Again, not that I'm better. I'm just saying when I try, that was over two weeks' time based on what he told me when I was trying. Right? God wants to work with you, do things. He doesn't like where you're at. He's not, he doesn't settle there. He sees great, great potential. And finally, you want to get involved and be a player on the field. You recognize, I went in the game, right? I hated sitting the bench. Hated it, and guess what I didn't do? Didn't sit there long, right? I made sure that I played in the game. So what's happening to you right now, Jesus is revealing himself to you through his word and song. You'll listen to songs and feel stuff come up in you. You'll read, Right? Almost daily, there's confirmation of revelation that you're getting from the Word. Daily, regarding what you've been praying and reading about. He just continues to confirm everything. Well, how's this going to apply? And all of a sudden, how's this going to apply? Right? And things move. Parents, spiritual parents, you are helping and involved. As a parent, you have no more intention Okay? You are acting. It's all actions. Right? So you think about spiritually dead, all the way through parenting. Think of no intention, no action, some intention, no action, some intention, some action, more action than intention, and all action. Right? As a parent, it's all action. Right? That's the spectrum. You know your ministry and you're actually working in it. I know my calling. I know God told me to do this. Guess what? I'm in it. I'm doing it. You're growing it. You're moving along. Hey, I need to recruit people. Let's get this thing going. How do I make this thing big and bad through Jesus? You know the call and will in your life. You experience victory every day. Every day, right? You know what's going on. And your life is a sacrifice. Now, when I say sacrifice, this doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to choose not to do this today because God told me to sacrifice. No. If you follow Jesus and you have a relationship with him, just by you being focused on somebody else and yourself, that's the sacrifice. When he tells you to go do something, you do it, that's the sacrifice. Not that, oh, I'm going to lose hours and hours of time, which you may, but you don't have to actually stop and think and go, how much time it's going to take me? How much is going to cost me? Right? Your life is just a sacrifice because it's what you're doing. You're focused on everybody else, and it just happens that way. 
You don't have to think about it. As a parent, you're just doing it. It's natural. Things just flow out of you. Like I was talking to Eric this morning about this, right? This sort of stuff, I'm not a parent, by the way. But in this particular thing, this stuff just kind of flows out of me right now. Don't know why. As a parent, the same thing happens to you guys. Spiritual parents. You can't help but talk to people about it. You can't help but reveal stuff to people. You can't help not helping somebody else. If you're not helping somebody else, you're like, what's going on? I'm out of my zone. Right? And you have made several disciples. You made disciples, they're discipling somebody else. Right? And things are moving. Here are your actions. We get to baptize somebody today from our small group. Hey, when's the next 101 class, Faith Foundations here at church? I want to make sure that we're intentional hey, this person, they just got baptized and make sure they understand it, and they keep moving forward. We don't want to just leave them sit over here on the shelf and go, well, good luck. Again, our intention is not to say, well, good luck, right? But that's kind of what we all do, right? We intend to help. We want to help, but we don't really do it, right? Uh, I have someone in my small group who loves children. Can you have the ministry team, the children's ministry, call me? Again, action. Hey, I want to get you plugged in, right? Because as parents, what you thrive on, spiritual parents, is other people around you connecting and growing and making something bigger than yourself. You don't like isolation, right? You recognize the power of the group, the church, and how everything can work together, right? You'll say, will you hold me accountable to, take the topic, you're letting people in. Hey, help me. Let's work together, right? I'm working on this. I'm doing this. Let's make sure it's all flowing together. This guy asked me to explain the Bible to him. Hey, pray for me. Right? Now you're talking to people at work. And things you're thinking right now as a parent, which young adult can I help? Because your sweet spot, not that you can't teach infants and children, right? Your sweet spot is honing and polishing the adults, right, to make sure they got the right foundation, everything works, right? As a coach in volleyball, I was not the 13-under volleyball coach. Wrong skill set for me, okay? I am the 16 to 18, mostly 18-year-olds, right? Because why? I played in college, so I understand what it takes to play volleyball in college, right? And so I was really, really good at taking people who had lots of skill the ability not polished and could make them. Oh, wait, that's like discipleship. I go and I will make you, right? I can make them into the player they could be by honing and polishing, right? I can work with the 12-year-olds and make them better, but I am not efficient there, right? And I didn't take every player that came to me, hey, help me. I didn't do that. Why? I couldn't help some players. They didn't want help. They didn't want to put the work in. They didn't want to take any action. Right? So discipleship's the same way. You can't disciple anybody. Right? You've got to find the people who want to be discipled. Someone's going to respond to you, respond to God's word, Right? trying to do something else. They aren't just going to 
sit and take. They're going to have some action, right? Action's the word. And you thank Jesus that he loves us and works through us. Because you recognize without him, we got nothing. Right? So the last thing I want to talk about real quick. Sorry, I'm going along. My fault. Sorry, Eric. Um, so I'm going to read some phrases, right? Uh, and I want you to tell me what you think about them. Okay? Um, and I'll, tell you, I'll give you more information after the fact. I don't want to kind of lead you on. Um, come on. So here's, I was in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Here are some words I heard. And this is why this is all important. Count the cost. Has anybody heard that word before? What's that around? What's usually that subject around when you hear count the cost? Discipleship. Okay. Um, bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness locks you in your own cell. What's that around? You guys heard that before? It's emotional healing, but in the Bible it talks about if you don't forgive people, you lock yourself in your own cell. No one else puts you in there, but you lock yourself in there, right? Um, seek wisdom. Love people and don't label. Those are some of the highlights, okay? So here's a punchline. There was a conference Tuesday Indianapolis, the conference was a leadership conference, and it was TEDx, right? TED, don't know what TED stands for. Um, otherwise, it's 25 speakers that talk five minutes apiece, right, about various topics. X, and TEDx is X marks the spot. So X is Indianapolis. This week's in Singapore. It's in Beijing. It's everywhere, every day, around the world. It's all about leaders sharing ideas, the next best thing, right, and growing yourself, Okay. All those phrases came from that conference. Worldly conference. Right? Now, if I get real specific, it says, uh, people forget what you did and what you said, but they never forget how you make them feel. Give hope to people. Forgive. Don't label. You have a higher purpose. We need wisdom. Live free. Be yourself. Without intent, you have a purpose problem. You're beautiful, you're a gift, connect with others, together we can change the world, and there is power in the unknown. So, the whole time these guys are talking, I, I took one liner from each person that talked. Of course, God, the whole time in this conference, is talking to me, and he says, hey, see the enemy on the stage? I just read you biblical things. He asked me if I saw the enemy on the stage. If I don't know God, those guys are speaking the Bible. If I don't have a relationship with God, I don't discern the enemies on the stage. I don't discern I'm being deceived. Because what are they saying? All the things in the Bible. Tuesday of last week, ironically, 
So again, he doesn't walk in and have you do stuff. He has 25 men and women whose intent is to build leaders and help people, right, grow, and uses the very words from the Bible to talk to 1,672 people. I looked it up today, how many there were before I came, right? That's why it's important to know. Because two years ago, before I went to the with Michelle, right, I would have sat in that conference and been like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, I know that stuff. And I'd have been going down the same road I was before, wouldn't need any help, wouldn't need anybody, wouldn't need Jesus, most importantly, because I knew it. Thought I knew, right? And so this is a perfect example, right? As I talk today about spiritual maturity, believe versus know, and action, right? You have to take some action. Examine yourself. Go to those places you don't want to go. It's uncomfortable, right? Be willing to admit you're wrong and ask him to help, and he'll help you, right? We can no longer, I kind of use this as kind of a call to arms. That's kind of how I'm viewing this, right? We can no longer sit back and expect somebody else to take my place as a dead cell and pick up the slack, right? The Bible says I'll have the trees and rocks cry out, right? He can do whatever he wants and make it happen, right? So he's going to do it with or without us, right? He wants to do it with us, right? Wants to do it with us. Love to do it with us, right? But we don't value and we discount everything he says, right? Because it's too hard. And the thing I'm learning through all of this, I know you guys are all, you can do the same thing, right? And have been doing your own, just a little differently, right? Jesus is simple. If what you're doing seems complicated and hard, something's wrong, that's not Jesus. Right? So some hope. Think about discipleship, which I know Eric's been talking about. Man, that seems kind of hard, doesn't it? That seems hard. Well, guess what? It's probably not. It's probably not hard. We focus on Jesus. We do things like he says. It just naturally happens. Right? We try to think of discipleship out of where we are today. If you think about where you are today in your life, you're right. You probably can't. I cannot quit my job, as Brian Hughes thinks, and disciple people full time. I'll lose my house. Da, 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 right? We all have stuff just like that, right? And Brian Hughes is thinking, right? But if I focus on what he wants me to do, I naturally end up doing it. You naturally end up doing it, right? And great things happen, right? So it's, our, it's time to stand up and take our place, right? We can no longer be on the sidelines and lackadaisical, right? Because guess what you're going to get if we do that? What you have today. You're guaranteed to have exactly what you have today until you do something else. Even if your relationship with God's really, really good. Is that all you want? Is that it? It's all you expect? Because we've settled. Been lulled to sleep. The enemy stood on the stage. 
right? And he's saying, it's time to wake up. It's time to do something. So right now, everybody close your eyes. <clears throat> it was in a men's conference, they did this, so I'm going to do the same thing. It was really, really powerful. I want to kind of drive this home, right? So you've heard lots of words that I've said today, right? All through the Holy Spirit and Jesus, right? He's anointed my words, not Brian Hughes, right? So imagine, you guys are all Standing in line somewhere, right? Or where you sit, that's fine. Just where you sit. Okay, and to your left. To your left. Jesus is walking down the aisle over here. Okay? And he's getting ready. He's going through the rows, right? He's four people from you. Three people from you. It's getting closer. Two people from you. Now he's one person away. He's directly to your left. Do you feel the anticipation you have? Do you feel the presence the reverence, the respect and honor. Do you feel his presence? Do you feel it? Right now, he stepped right in front of you. Look at him. He's saying, I will help you. You don't have to do anything. I will help you. Look to me. We can do all things together. Just stand there and look at him. Begin to share with him your heart. he loves you. I'll never leave. You can't do anything to make him leave. He's in front of you for you right now. Only you. There's no one else he'd rather be in front of. Enjoying one-on-one time with you. And he's calling, come back.
spend time with me. I have so much to give you. Things you can't imagine. Do you see him? So I'm going to pray to finish up here. Um, so once you understand things that happened, so I let you know Satan's strategy a little bit, right? The enemy strategy. Um, so out of that, naturally, we uh, did some spiritual warfare, whether we realized it or not, and we broke some stuff off, right? Some things happened in the spirit realm, right? You're no longer deceived. You now know some things that you thought you didn't, and you realize that you believe some stuff says no, right? So the enemy, what's going to happen here is he's going to respond, right, to everything you learned today and whatever decisions or intentions you decided to make, right? And you're going to take some action, right? So I don't want you to be fooled and blinded to think that you're going to walk out and everything's hunky-dory. doesn't work that way. The Bible says the kingdom of God advances and the violent take it by force, right? So if we're passive... He's going to come and take this word from you like he did for me for years. For me, 20 years, you, however long, right? And steal it, right? You have to have action and stop it. No, I know what I heard. Jesus spoke to me. He touched my heart. I know what I heard. I know what I felt, right? You have to believe and know that's what's happening. Right? Do not be fooled because he's coming. Right? He's not in here now. But when you leave here, he'll come. He will come. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, for today. Lord, and I thank you that you speak through us. And, Lord, I'm so humbled and honored that you choose me today and all of these people, Lord, that you want to do stuff through them and empower us all because I know in part. We each have a small piece we know and we see. And it's so important that we each get our own piece so we can share it with each other, so we can grow to build the one unit instead of 50 individual pieces. Lord, I thank you for the words today, Father. You touched everyone's heart. Lord, to help them see and realize that some of my thinking was messed up and that I gotta fix that. And Lord, I thank you that you are faithful faithful, faithful to help us fix those things, to show the light on those things, to say, I am here to do these things. And I come against any attack from the enemy, Father, that would come to steal this word, Lord, I just send out warring angels, Father, that, um, that our finances can't be touched, our health can't be touched, our kids can't be touched, Father, that these angels are all around because we have just opened up some of Satan's strategy and the confusion he tries to set in so that we are ineffective to do your work. Ineffective. 
I just seal this time, Father, and ask you to bless these people. Amen. 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 We're going to have some worship, but if we could have the ushers come forward, go ahead and take up our tithe and offering.